Welcome back to Section 247's The Goal Line Stand, all football, all the time. Coming to you live from the Michaels Glass Company studio. Michaels Glass Company, 215-338-3293 in the Philadelphia Tri-State area. Tell them that we sent you for all your glass needs. They had shower doors, mirror, plate glass, and now double-hung windows, casement windows, bay windows. Tell them you heard about the window selection right here on this program. We are a Sports Talk Philly partner. SportsTalkPhilly.com. Brett, how are we today? It's nice to be talking to you for the time being with a clear stream. It, it is very nice. Uh, doing well. Hope all our football fans are doing well across the Delaware Valley, the New York, the New York metropolitan area, and further abroad in the United States and throughout the world. Absolutely. We hope everyone is enjoying this beautiful weather. I am suffering from some allergies. But that is neither here nor there. Hey, I got a question for you. Yeah. Tomahawk steak. What's yes. your what's your take on the tomahawk steak? Have you ever had one? I'm I'm a fan. I'm you a are fan a fan? Tomahawk steak. Yeah. I'm a fan of the tomahawk steak too. And you know what? I want to tell you the best place to go to get a tomahawk steak, DePaul's table, Ardmore, Pennsylvania, a modern Italian steakhouse, bringing Italian flavors, the finest cuts of steak, chops fresh seafood, seasonable seasoned vegetables, salads, savory flatbreads, and unparalleled service to Ardmore, Pennsylvania. They are located on 7 East Lancaster Avenue, Ardmore, PA, 610-589-0500, serving dinner daily from 5 p.m. to 9.30, happy hour from 4.30 to 6.30. I took a look at the beer list for happy hour, and I was impressed. So I can tell you that their chef was formerly of a different establishment. So I'm familiar. I, I'm actually familiar with a lot of the items on this menu. Their shrimp appetizer is without question one of the greatest shrimp dishes I've ever had. If you Bubba were Gump, eat, eat your heart out. And they have the Kobe beef meatball there. Yes. Which is unbelievable out of this world. If you're in the Philadelphia area, go out to Ardmore, go to DePaul's table, tell them Mike and Brett sent you. We are going to be having a few giveaways from DePaul's table, gift cards coming up here in the near future. Great establishment, great people. The person running DePaul's table, Anthony DePaul, has been in the restaurant industry for 20 years. He knows what yeah. he's doing. It is a, it is a boon, boon for the, the borough, the city, the town of Ardmore, PA. Absolutely. It's fantastic location. It's a beautiful building. Um, but we, we've actually been there. I know. Uh, as a <laughs> When it was a previous restaurant, and this is going to uh, be uh, by far uh, a much better restaurant. So this is uh, very excited uh, for DePaul's Tables opening. Let's get to it. We're going to discuss the NFL schedule release. You waited till 8 o'clock last night with bated breath. And ignored your Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as the st as, as everything was dropped by noon. I got to tell you, it really, they have to stop with this, oh my God, we need to wait till 8 o'clock. We're going to release everything. The NFL itself released the first week the day before. Uh, and it's every, every beat writer is trying to outdo one another to try to get 
you know, sources. And so by, by eight o'clock, you basically had each team probably knew what 14 of the 17 games on their schedule. It's ridiculous. Uh, I'm convinced that each team knew their schedule the day, you know, by easily by midday. Well, the teams, I'm sorry. I should have clarified. I meant uh, that on Twitter through the various beat writers that the fans ended up oh, yeah. knowing. Yeah, it's it's the stupidest uh, countdown to something where you already know what's going to happen. You know, it's not like New Year's where the ball drops. It's like the ball already dropped before they, the ball dropped. But they could do it, right? They, they could make it. They make it this big deal. They do this whole big thing, how it's going to be this huge schedule release. Everybody should be super excited for it. It's going to be on NFL Network, yada, yada, yada. But And then they let the, the, the leaks go. They could do this like the NCAA tournament if they really, really wanted to and make it a TV presentation. Or the uh, NBA draft lottery. Yeah, sure. I would love that. Litter, or um, lock everything down and only announce maybe the primetime games. Yeah, I could I could deal with that. I could deal with just the primetime games being released. Uh, it's just an interesting dynamic that they make a big deal out of it, and then here it is. Or here's another idea. at eight, You lock it down at 8 o'clock. Each team does a webcam presentation. You have the owner, you have the coach, and a few players, and you have, you know, you have your radio play-by-play guy. So for, down in Philly, you have... Um, what's what I, I hate you? I, I don't even like mentioning his name, Merrill Reese. Yes, Merrill Reese. Ugh, sorry, can't stand the guy. Uh, and up in New York, yeah, Bob Papa. And they go on a board and they literally just start putting up stickers for week one. We have the Denver Broncos, week two, Washington Redskins. So you have everyone, ch- you know, turning in to each team's website. I don't understand. This is not a hard fix. And it actually would make money and be a benefit to each of these teams, as opposed to well, you know, following Jeff McLean and Ruben Frank. I'm not and I'm not shitting on these people. Or for New York, Art Stapleton to, to find out the 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 schedules before. I just find it's very annoying to me. Sorry, I I know I'm motivated. For for a, a product, for an organization, for a league that is so television driven. Yeah. To not make it about TV. Yeah. Legitimately make it about TV. It's just kind of weird. It's the way, remember how when you used to watch the draft, uh, you would, they would always take you back into the green room and you'd see the guys on the phone before the pick. It's like that to the nth degree. And the NFL smartened up and they no longer show the green room if a guy's on the phone. So let's smarten up. Let, let, let's do this right. Let's make a bit. Let's make an obnoxious big deal out of this, right? Why and, not? You make it a not. You make an obnoxious big deal out of out of everything else. Yeah. So I don't understand why they don't do that. From remember, you mentioned the draft. If you go back to prior drafts, right, old drafts from before, they used to have the if you were on Twitter, yeah, the picks were were being tweeted out by Kuiper and all those guys. They put a stop to it. So they could do it here. They really could. I'm just looking for an excuse to to watch Kay Adams on TV. Yeah, or Cynthia Freeland. 
Okay. Two thumbs up. So it's it's it is very frustrating. I it's a, it's a it's literally like this stupid exercise because you you find out everything in advance, and then on top of it, you try you get all these people who then create these fake schedules like three days before. So you have you have to you have to weed out the crazy ones. Yeah, the mock schedule. Find, yeah, it's just you know. So let's talk week one. I think there's a couple interesting things here about week one. People were complaining about some of the primetime games and who was going to get uh, national television. So obviously you have Tampa Bay opening the season. Yeah. The Cowboys are going there. We knew that was happening. That's the tradition. That's Thursday night. I don't understand why people are, are all upset about it, other than just being upset about Brady winning a Super Bowl. I think people are annoyed at the fact that it's the Cowboys as the opponent. As opposed to who? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could have gone. Um, See, to me, it's just that's a, a, a ho-hum whatever. You, are people yeah. more mad because of that? or I, I've, I've, The sense I've gotten uh, is that they were just disappointed that it was um, the Cowboys. So I don't know who else you could have had at that point. I think that... It had the Packers, but I think people are very uptight about. Well, we don't know yet what the Packers are going to be, and, and we're going to we're going to get to that here in, in a yeah. little bit as we transition. So that's the first game. The second game, the Sunday night game, is the is in um, in Los Angeles. Yeah, and again, people, well, why? Again, this is the new this is the new stadium. Yeah, yeah, I understand that the Rams played there for a year. But, but no this is, there was no fans. This is the new stadium. The same thing goes for the for Monday night in Vegas because nobody played. They, there was no fans in the building a year yeah. ago, so they're showing off the new digs. I so and I completely agree with that. To me, particularly the Sunday night game, I think you could have come up with a better opponent than the Bears. To me, that's my only issue with that. Is that a scheduler saying we're going to give the Rams the best opportunity to win? Perhaps. I wonder, you know, but I I guess because Los Angeles fans are such fair weather fans. Could you have done the Chargers? No, that have that, not been that's fair. not fair. That's not okay. fair because I think you need to have to me, I would have done. A double dip, and the next day had the Chargers post a Monday night game. Yeah, well, so let's talk about Monday night. So the, the Ravens at Raiders, right? Um, yes. Fair enough. It's a good game. It's okay. Yeah, I it's like that. Days. I like that game better than Sunday's game. Where's the other game? Yeah, that was the other thing. How come we don't have a? Why why don't we have the the Monday night doubleheader, which I love. Nobody has addressed it. I have not seen it addressed anywhere because I'm looking at it week one. You have Kansas City, Cleveland. Yeah, that is a that's that could actually be your you know in theory. Should, if you didn't do the L.A. opening of SoFi, you would have Kansas City, Cleveland. As so why don't you have Kansas City, Cleveland at what were they? The, the first game was seven o'clock kickoff on Monday night. Right, that's a good game. That's a fantastic game. Yeah. That's a great early Monday night game. The nine thirty game is the Raiders Ravens. It makes too much sense. You and I. It makes too much. You know, we can figure it out, but apparently the NFL can't. 
schedule wise, uh, anything really that you saw say, "Oh, this is this is interesting." To me, the biggest one. I mean, look, I I think for the most part, you know, you look at your team, you look at bye weeks, then you look at reunion games, and frankly, I don't think you could ever. I don't think in the history of the NFL there will ever be a reunion game like there will be on October. I believe it's October third uh, when the Buccaneers go to Foxborough. And two things. First, if I was New England, I would request that when Tampa uh, enters the field, they hold back two players, and I would allow New England to announce first Rob Gronkowski, and then I would have them announce Tom Brady. Second, if anyone from New England boos, they are fucking idiots. I don't... I Look, I get it. He left... He gave, Tom Brady gave you six, count that, six rings. Enough. Okay? Thank him. You should, you know, revere him, and that's it. The rest of, let the rest of the league hate the guy. You guys should still love him. I think that they, I think they are going to revere him. I really don't I see a scenario. So. I, I, I agree with you. I'm just forewarning them. Take yourself off a mute, idiot. Uh, ESPN, and actually, uh, Kevin Seifert has it here. That That's his game, right? That's that he was really looking forward to. He yeah. says here, if the numbers work out correctly, yeah, this could be the game where uh, Tom Brady passes Drew Brees as the all-time leading passer for as, for, as far as yards go. That's interesting. Yeah, that, that really um, talk about... That, that you know something being written in the stars that's pretty remarkable um so i know they were going through some of the other reunion games i don't really take i i don't view a reunion game when the player is going up against his former team if it's in the player's new home so for instance i believe jj watt is playing the texans but he's doing it in arizona it doesn't have the same sizzle. Yeah, no, that that I go back as an Eagles fan when Brian Dawkins came to Philadelphia as a Bronco, Bronco yeah. and he talks about it at length. It wouldn't have been the same thing of the Eagles going there. Yeah, yeah. it would have probably been somewhat emotional for but him. It, right, but that's it. But there, you you had, and I always look back. We bring up the Brady and the Gronk thing. You know, Philadelphia fans are notorious for being a bunch of assholes. I I never I'll never forget when Brian Dawkins, there were people wearing opposing colors yeah. in the stadium. Yeah. There were people now, granted, protest jerseys nonetheless, but there were Eagles fans wearing Broncos jerseys, cheering the guy on. Yeah, no. In order for it to be a reunion, it has to be you, the player going back home, JJ Watt going back to Houston. Yeah, that kind of thing. Patrick Peterson is returning to Arizona. Decent. See, for instance, uh, in the first week, the Jets are going to Carolina. So Sam Darnold has a shot to beat the Jets. But imagine if that was in New York. That would be great. That would be a great storyline, too. You yeah. have the, the old guard, the new guard. It would yeah. be a, definitely an interesting thing. You, you mentioned the Jets. Uh, the NFL is going to be returning to international play. Totten Hotspur Stadium in, in London. The Falcons will host the Jets, and the Jaguars will play the Dolphins over in England. I'm actually surprised that this is happening this year. 
I would have thought just because of everything that's going on, I understand numbers and all that stuff that it would, they would have pushed it off a year. I agree. I think though, fortunately, um, you know, the, the numbers in the UK look very encouraging earlier this week. They were, they had their first day in over a year where the, there was no, there were zero deaths due to COVID, uh, which is wonderful news. So I think because of the positive trend, they, you know, look, if, if you're able to fly seven hours to go from, you know, Florida to Seattle, I guess you could fly seven hours to go from Florida to London. If it, and it's essentially the same kind of safety uh, protocol. So it, it wouldn't have happened had the UK been in a worse off state with respect to COVID, but I think it's, it's okay. Or at least the same. So before we kind of get into the Eagles and the giants here and their schedules, any other teams stand out where you said, man, they really lucked out. They really lucked out on the draw this year. No, you know, it's always so, um, it's always so premature to tell. Uh, I, I, I do think it's a very strong Sunday night slate. Um, you know, look, unfortunately, there's always, you know, we we can never tell. There's always going to be one or two teams that we think are going to be excellent that either just underperform or injuries will just ravage their season and they end up, you know, late on late in the season being scheduled for Sunday nights. But the other thing to keep in mind is that this year, it's that not only can Sunday night, but Monday night can flex. So... I think we're going to have better primetime games throughout the season. So let's run down to Sunday night. Week one, we already talked about a Bears at Rams. This is Sunday night football. Week two, yeah. Chiefs at Ravens. That's a that, that's a yeah. you know. great game. <laughs> Week three, the Packers at the 49ers, which is interesting because yeah. we're going to get like we said, we're going to get to it in a few minutes. Who is quarterbacking who? Yeah. There? It, it's there's a lot of unknowns there, but if if it's um who we think should be a good game. Week four, Buccaneers at Patriots. We already talked about that, the return yeah. home. Week five, Bills at Chiefs. That's going to be an interesting game. Great game. You know, that's what which Buffalo are you going to get here? Is it the team that took that next step? And obviously the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, week six, this is an interesting one. Seahawks at Steelers. Good game. Yeah. Not necessarily – two teams that were – uh, different points, I guess, is a, is a way to put it. A year ago, yeah, uh, you know, either way, I think it's, it, I think Pittsburgh's the bigger question mark there, but good game. Week seven, Colts at 49ers. Carson Wentz goes out to the left coast. Week eight, Cowboys at Vikings. Week nine, Titans at Rams. Week ten, Chiefs at Raiders. Week eleven, Steelers at Chargers. Week twelve, Browns at Ravens. That's always a oh, that's a yeah. good, game. good game. Week thirteen, Niners at the Seahawks. So that should be a good game considering yeah. health factors. Week fourteen, Bears at Packers. Week fifteen, Saints at Bucks. Week yeah. sixteen, Washington at Dallas. Yeah. Week seventeen, Viking at pa- Vikings at Packers. Oh my God, that's gonna be cold. It's going to be cold. That's going to be cold. And then the week 18 will be determined. I guess they'll flex a game in, it says. Yeah. Some notable notable omissions here on this list. Uh, that would be the Eagles and the Giants. Well, you know, I don't think either team really deserves uh, 
I, at, at this point, does neither team really deserves a Sunday night game. I know uh, the Giants only have three primetime games, none of which are home, uh, two of which are really just them to get slaughtered. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Now, the Eagles have one primetime game at home. Yeah, we're going to so, get to we'll, we'll run down to Monday nighters here. So yeah. take a look at Monday night, week one. We already talked about Baltimore at, at, at Las Vegas. Week two, Detroit at Green Bay. <laughs> week three, the Eagles at the Cowboys on Monday night. Yeah. Week four, Raiders at the Chargers. Week five, the Colts at the Ravens. So okay. that's a good game. Week six, this is a great one. Buffalo at Tennessee. Week seven, the Saints at the Seahawks. Week eight, the Giants at the Chiefs. Sorry. Um, week nine, Bears at Steelers. Who knows? Could be, maybe yeah. not. Week 10, Rams at Niners. Week 11, Giants at Buccaneers. Again, decent trip. Week 12, Seahawks at the Washington football team. Yeah. This is a this is a good one. Potentially a really, really good one. Week 13, December 6th, Patriots at Bills. Yeah. So that should be a, a little bit of a slugfest for the AFC East. They're always entertaining. Uh, week, yeah. thir- uh, week 14, December 13th, Rams at Cardinals. December 20th. Vikings at Bears. That could be a good one. It's a divisional matchup. Yeah. December 27th, Dolphins at Saints. And then to close it out on the Monday night slate, assuming there's no flexes here, obviously, Browns at Steelers. That could be a good one, too. Is that a Monday night game? That is a Monday night game. So they're going to end the season on a Monday? I get. Well, so that's week 17. So then there's that additional week. I don't know if they're going to do... Oh, that's week seven. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so there's another week where they don't have a Monday night game. Right. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see if they – I don't know I, I on the TV deal if they decide that they were actually going to add an additional Monday night. They should. Yeah. Um, you know, while, while we're talking about it, I, I mean, I, I guess we should go to Thursday night. Was there anything that stood stood out for you Monday night? Uh, Monday night, I like the Bills and the, uh, the Bills Patriots up in Buffalo. Um. You know, the other thing that just sort of, you know, you read them off, you forgot that the Bears were a playoff team last year. I think, so I think one of the the fallouts that we never thought about, adding in a seven team to the playoffs, is it justifies them getting more primetime games the next year. But you think about the Bears barely made it in. They weren't really a factor in the playoffs. And I don't think they're really... a if you look at that roster, I don't think they're very deserving of having three or four primetime games, but they have that. Yeah, and I mean, it would be one thing if Justin Fields was going to be the stone-cold starter before the year. You at least have that angle. Yeah. Who knows? It's it's up in the air. He might just be the stunning Steve starter. That's true. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse okay. me there. I, let's get okay. to Let's get to the the Thursday nights. We talked about it. Cowboys at Buccaneers. Week two, Giants at Washington. Barn burner on a Thursday night. It's uh, it was really a weird. So that's actually uh, it's going to be the end of Yom Kippur. So it's every every breaking the fast. Okay, well that's good. Yeah, uh, but that's why it's probably not. And that's a big game. It's an NFL Network exclusive. Yeah, it's a big game. 
and I, I don't like I don't like that draw for the Giants. Week three, Panthers at Texans. Week four, Jags at Bengals. Interesting one with the young quarterback duel there. Maybe if uh, Joe Burrow is healthy, he's throwing the football. He seems okay. Yeah. Week five, Rams at Seahawks. That's pretty good. Week six, Bucks at Eagles. Oh, barn burner. So, yeah. Week seven, Brown, Broncos at Browns. Week eight, Packers at Cardinals. Week nine, Jets at Colts. Week 10, Ravens at Dolphins. That's week 11, game. Patriots at Falcons. Bills at Saints. Cowboys at Saints. Bills at Saints. Cowboys. So the Saints have two straight third. Uh, one of those must be, I think, is a Thanksgiving game. I think that I think it is. Yeah. Steelers at Vikings. Chiefs at Chargers. 49ers at Titans. It's getting me all choked up. Yeah. You, Mike's Mike's getting emotional. Uh so yeah, you know, look, the Thursday night schedule, it um, you know, I always like it to me. It's football. We've talked about it before. I've always wished that um, you know. I miss the ESPN games, the college. To me, it's taken away from the college football, so that's been a bit of a negative. But, you know, Thursday night games, you get to see teams that you normally don't see. But, you know, there's the, there's always that Jacksonville special where they're playing another team that sucks. So it's, uh, it's a decent slate. Uh, there was a few good games in there, a few divisional games. You know, look, I also, we're going to get into it as we do our team previews throughout the summer. I'm very high on the Chargers, so I think that there could be some sneaky good games in there. It's, it, you know, decent slate. Yeah, it is a decent slate, and it's going to come down to uh, some of the games. Let's talk about it now. Aaron Rodgers, rumor and innuendo is he wants out. There have been meetings. They're not happy. What do you think here? Look, uh, I think Green Bay basically wrote the book on how to – not treat your star quarterback or how to properly mistreat your star quarterback. They did pretty much everything wrong. Uh, and, you know, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, in a very, is in rarefied air. He's one of the few guys who could really kind of call their shot. Now it's, it's going to be up to does green Bay give in? Do they, you know, trade him? Do they, I, I've heard that they're going to put together a significant offer a long-term extension and if that's the case then why on earth did you trade up in the first round to draft jordan love last year i guess you're going to trade him away makes no sense uh you know this is about you should have surrounded aaron Rodgers with more of the guys he wants a guy like aaron Rodgers, when you're a star quarterback when you're a future hall of famer you should have some say in the direction of the offense and they obviously you know never consulted him and it was just a bad move I to me, I just I don't see how you could trade him. How how do you trade away Aaron Rodgers and the haul that it would require? I don't think any team will be willing to give that up. Well, if you listen to WIP in Philadelphia, they're all over it. Uh, he should join the Eagles. Eagles should trade for him. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, you know, I, look, I know the Eagles have three first round potentially three first round picks next year. They would have to give up at least it, 
the conversation starts with those three first round picks. It doesn't end there. Oh no, it starts there. And you're talking about a guy who is what 37 years old. Yeah, there's he, that he's, part of it too. He wants to coach Jeopardy. You know, he's already clearly planning the next steps of his career. <sighs> My opinion, it's not worth it. You yeah. know, the window's not now, so it's not worth it. If the window was now, maybe, but if I'm the Eagles, no. Now, if I'm a team like the 49ers, where I think I have a smaller window to win and I'm a quarterback away, which is what they believe they are, maybe it is something we're taking a look at. Yeah, perhaps. Um, I didn't, honestly, because of just how much it would cost to get him, I really didn't look into how many different guys, how many different teams would want to trade for him. The only other team I think of immediately, but they don't have the assets to do this, would be the Washington football team. Because with that defense, you brought in some new receivers, you know, I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers than Ryan Fitzpatrick. With Aaron Rodgers, that team is a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Eric Fisher, he has a new home. He signs a deal with the Colts. Yeah, Uh, That's interesting. What, What do you make of that? So I'm going to get into it a little bit, uh, a little foreshadowing when we talk about some of the draft classes. I think it was a really, I, I think it's it's a potentially good signing. It makes sense they needed a left tackle, something they didn't address in the draft. The thing is, Eric Fisher tore his Achilles in the AFC Championship game. So at what point is he ready to play football again? That's my only concern. Is this? Did you sign him so he could start playing in November? That's the only thing I don't get. Uh, whereas, for instance, Washington signed Charles Leno. And Charles Leno is available to play immediately. So that makes a little more sense. And, um, you know, Eric Fisher, though, obviously really good player. It, you know, to the, I think it says something, though, that the Chiefs themselves cut him, um, you know, when they were completely remaking their offensive line. So it's a potentially good signing. That, that's the way I would characterize that move. You mentioned NFL draft classes. So before we get to the schedules of the Eagles and the Giants, let's talk a little bit about the draft. Yeah, I tell you, I, I really enjoyed what the Eagles did. I thought, you know, um, what the Eagles did made a lot of sense. I, I thought, uh, you know, they... Uh, once again, they seemed to sort of screw the Giants and were able to successfully trade in front of the Giants to get Devonta Smith, who, look, I really like. I, you know, there's the one little concern about his weight, but, you know, he's gotten it done at every stage. He's a football player. For those Eagle fans out there, uh, I would encourage you to – there's tape on him. You watch him in special teams. He lights people up. This is a guy who does not shy away from contact. Um, so, but honestly, as good as that first-round pick was, the second-round pick of Landon Dickerson, to me, was just a fantastic uh, pick. Now, he is he's obviously going to replace Jason Kelsey. He is a completely different style of center. You know, so Jason Kelsey, uh, I don't think ever has sniffed 300 pounds, whereas Landon Dickerson is 6'4", probably, he's going to probably play at 325, 330 pounds. 
He is a mauler. I think he's going to be a future all-pro center. Just a great pick. You know, so even though it's a different style of center, to have a guy who's going to be anchoring your offensive line potentially for the next 10 years, that was a great pick. Uh, Milton Williams, who was one of my sleepers, uh, I thought that was a good pick, even though some of the uh, some of the front office in the Eagles did not think so. Um, but I, you know, I think he's, I think the defensive line got a lot quicker. I also think they got a lot longer. You know, you got guys who have, you know, normally I think of uh, defensive linemen for the Eagles, like Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, short squattier. Uh, but you have guys now with good length, uh, Milton Williams. Then you also got an, uh, one of my top five defensive tackles actually in the sixth round, Marlon, uh, excuse me, Marion uh, Tui-Polodu, or Marlon Tui-Polodu, excuse me, defensive tackle USC. Really also, I love the Kenneth Gainwell pick, uh, the running back from Memphis. I like Teron Jackson, the DN from Coastal Carolina, just and Patrick Johnson, the edge from Tulane. Just a lot of good picks from the Eagles. I, I, I thought it was a very good draft class. They, they were graded anywhere from an A-plus to a, a B-plus from a lot of the different draft grades. I, I kind of agree with it. I mean, it looks like on paper that yeah. you, you have a couple hits, and that's always huge. Yeah, and not only hits in the early rounds, but I think there's, there's potentially uh, some really good players in the later rounds and some guys that can really um, contribute and, and fill in well. So... I thought it was a very good draft haul for the Eagles. Real quick, let's touch on the Giants. You had a Giants-specific episode, which was out last week. Uh, give yeah. us a, just a cliff note a little bit and yeah. your thoughts on it. Look, I, I think that you can't evaluate the class without taking into consideration the fact that David Gettleman finally traded back. And he not only did he do it once, he did it twice. And in doing so, he was able to accumulate uh, an additional first uh, third and fourth round pick next year. So the Giants have two ones, a second, two thirds, and a fourth next year. So now actually it's the Giants and Eagles who have the most draft capital uh, for next year's draft, which is very interesting. Uh, Kadarius Tony, um, interesting player. I think he's going to be used kind of in a gadget sense. Also really could take away some you know uh, plays from the slot from Sterling Shepard. I like Azizo Jalari. You know, the only issue here is they didn't draft, they, excuse me, they didn't address the offensive line. And that's my only concern. And that's going to be, I think, the biggest, you know, three years, four years down the line. I think this draft class will deliver, but it's how is the offensive line performed in the meantime? Because you didn't take time to address it during the draft. Let's talk about the other teams in a division real quick. Uh, let's start with Dallas. Dallas players are really – Dallas fans were really happy with the choice. Uh, so I think there are a few really good picks and then a lot of head scratchers. So in the first round, they drafted Micah Parsons, who, Mike, I didn't know was a Dallas Cowboy fan. And then it kind of just – the whole thing made sense. Penn State, Dallas, it's just – yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's – well, you know. I get it. It's such a – yeah. But look, I think that – Micah Parsons is an incredibly uber-talented linebacker, and it's a shame because, look, whatever Giant fans and Eagles fans think of the Cowboys, you know, objectively speaking, Leighton Vander Esch, when healthy, is a very good player, but unfortunately, he just can't stay healthy. So drafting Micah Parsons made a lot of sense. 
Kelvin Joseph, I think, is a decent cornerback. Then they, you know, I mean, they really addressed the, the defense, end, but there was a lot of head-scratching picks. Osa Adigizua, whose older brother was actually a uh, third-round pick for the Giants back uh, several years ago. Um, you know, this is someone who I thought was more of a six-round pick. Uh, and that, that's really sort of the theme. Until you get to the fourth round, when the Cowboys nabbed another really good linebacker in Jabril Cox, uh, who fell supposedly because of a shoulder injury. Um, you know, they've got Simi Fahoko, who he's kind of like J.J. Uh, Ortega-Whiteside. There's not a lot of other picks that I loved in this class, but Micah Parsons, very good. Jabril Cox, uh, that could be him calling me right now. And, you know, so that's uh, – it, it was a – I thought they would have also invested in the offensive line quicker, and they did not. Or not sooner, not quicker. Maybe it's Gettleman calling, uh, talking about the trading back. We're, we're, okay. we're on good terms now. so. Oh, very good. So he's no yeah. longer the Pots of East Rutherford. No, I have, I have officially uh, not relinquished. I've removed the title from him. So he's not just Gettleman. Let's go to Washington real quick. Washington fans are excited as well. Yeah, look, Washington had, I think, one of the better drafts. Uh, Jameen Davis, you know, particularly with that defensive front, Jameen Davis is just going to run wild, a super athletic linebacker. Sam Cosby is one of the top offensive tackles in the league. So, you know, he also has positional versatility, can play guard. Benjamin St. Juice is a very tall, physical cornerback. Uh, I think probably their best pick was Diami Brown, a wide receiver from North Carolina. He even had some buzz about going late in the first. I thought he was more of a second-round pick. So for them to get that, this is definitely a team that needs more weapons. So, you know, I thought it was a really um, just just a very good um, class. You know, overall, they had they added more depth in the later rounds. But particularly those first several picks, I think, are going to play a huge impact for the Washington football team this season. Let's talk draft overall. To you, who had the best draft class? So I have two teams that had the best draft class. First is the Carolina. I chose one from each conference. Uh, I have the Carolina Panthers. So they had J.C. Horn, from, cornerback from South Carolina. Arguably, you know, it was either him or Patrick Sertan. Horn went first. Uh, I think he's just an excellent player. Second round, Terrace Marshall, wide receiver from LSU. Very versatile, also a height, weight, speed guy. In the third round, they had two picks. Brady Christensen, an offensive tackle from BYU, who's going to compete at and start at either a tackle or guard spot along the line. And Tommy Tremble, a tight end from Notre Dame, very talented kid and also really aggressive blocker. Chuba Hubbard, really good running back from Oklahoma State, who had his best year actually the year prior in 2019 when the offensive coordinator was one Sean Gleason, the now offensive coordinator for Rutgers. Uh, you had Deontay. To me, I mean, this is why I think it's one of the best drafts. Uh, the first two picks they had in the sixth round are guys who I think are going to be key contributors to the Carolina offense. First, he drafted Deontay Brown, the guard from Alabama, gigantic road grader who I think is going to start at one of the guard positions. And then they drafted Shai Smith, a wide receiver from South Carolina, who I think is excellent in the slot. To get that kind of value in the sixth round, in you know, and then on top of that, you look at those first few uh, picks that they had. 
to me, that's an excellent class. Uh, then secondly, the Cleveland Browns for the AFC, uh, just a really great haul. Greg Newsom in the first round, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa in the second round slipped out of the top 50, supposedly had a heart condition, um, nothing serious, and, and frankly, each team cleared him, but some were just a little bit more hesitant. Anthony Schwartz, a wide receiver from Auburn, uh, just has world-class speed, so I think adds another dimension to that receiving group. Can take the top off the defense while you have guys like Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry work underneath, sort of. James Hudson is a future starting offensive tackle for them. Tommy Togiai, great uh, defensive tackle, uh, and you know, anchoring the defensive line. Tony Fields, I think you pair him with Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, you have your nickel linebackers. He's more of an undersized, um, speedy linebacker. Uh, Richard LeCount is a very solid safety in, from Georgia. Then their sixth round, they drafted uh, ultimate gadget guy, Demetric Felton, wide receiver running back from UCLA. Just to me, this is just a great draft. Uh, and really, I think, solidifies the fact that the Browns are, you know, in the AFC North to stay, you know, for the next several years as, you know, one of the best teams and, you know, could even ascend to being, you know, to reach the AFC Championship game. Who knows? Maybe you get a Super Bowl run out of it. That's that's bold right there. Uh, yeah. So for everything that's good, there's always a bad. Who do you have as your uh, worst class of the draft? So, again, I went with two of them, one of the AFC, one of the uh, NFC. Starting the NFC, I went with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, first round, they drafted Peyton Turner, a defensive end from Houston who I had going in the third round. They drafted Pete Werner, an in, inside linebacker from Ohio State. Paulson Adebo in the third round corner from Stanford. I thought that was their best pick. In the fourth round, they drafted Ian Book, a quarterback from Notre Dame. So, first off, fourth-round picks are valuable picks. I don't think Ian Book should have even been drafted. Uh, I don't, you know, he's athletic. You know, Sean Payton in the latter stages of his coaching career has developed a hard-on for these athletic guys who aren't really good throwers. And that's it fits Ian Book to a T. Uh, to me, I think at best he is a career backup. And to me, this team, particularly now that you don't have Drew Brees, you're going to have a combination of Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston. You need as many players as possible. I wouldn't uh, waste a fourth-round pick on Ian Book. Uh, then they drafted Landon Young, a tackle from Kentucky, Kwan Baker, a wide receiver from South Alabama. It was just honestly, other than Paulson and Debo, everything else you're kind of like, okay, yeah, it just either – uh, positional value wasn't there, or to me, I just didn't agree with the way that they valued the, those particular players. Uh, then, secondly, was actually the Indianapolis Colts. Um, so the subscript to that, in which I'll get into in a moment, is that uh, you know they signed Eric Fisher, and they talked about when is Eric Fisher going to play? We don't really know. Uh, so they drafted Quiddy Pay, defensive end from Michigan. Then they doubled up with DN. They drafted one of my sleepers, Deo Odoyingbo from Vanderbilt. Then they drafted Kylan Granson, a tight end from SMU. Sean Davis, a safety from Florida. They drafted uh, Sam Ellinger, the quarterback from Texas, which I, honestly, again, a career backup. I just, I, to me, if you're going to get a career backup, just get an undrafted free agent. I don't understand the, uh, the, the value there. 
Uh, and then they drafted Michael Stray-Chan. I think his name is Stray-Can or Stray-Chan. He's a wide receiver, University of Charleston. And their last pick, actually a New Jersey kid, Will Fries, Will Freeze, offensive tackle from Penn State out of uh, Cranford High School. Uh, but again, so they didn't address tackle essentially until the seventh round, uh, Will Freeze. But then they did draft, excuse me, they did sign Eric Fisher. But again, I just don't know when he's going to play. So for me, that's why I thought it was a really poor draft. Is they should have addressed tackle much sooner. Who had the what was the worst pick of anybody? Uh, this is easy one. Mike Mayock special. Alex Leatherwood, seventeenth pick of the first round, uh, offensive tackle, Alabama. Is a guy who I had going at minimum in the late second round, more of a third round player. And this is every year now. They fall in love. Honestly, I really this is how I think the Raiders do their scouting. They just all get together and watch the college football playoffs because they only draft from like big name schools, right? For their first few rounds. It's like, okay, who are we going to take from Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, or Notre Dame? And that's who they pick. And it's always, you know, to me, it's okay. If you really believe Alex Leatherwood's that great, I assure you there was no one else that really wanted him at that stage. Trade down. Even if you get cents to the dollar, it's still something. It, it I make Mike Mayak doesn't know how to work a board. He overdrafted Cleveland Farrell his first year. He overdrafted for Damon Arnett last year. It, it's a theme. And, you know, look, the Raiders aren't getting any better. They're kind of just stuck in neutral. So on top of it, you look at that offseason that they had. They got rid of their offensive line, which was good, only to draft an offensive line. It just doesn't make any sense. You're, you're not growing. You're not improving. You're just replacing what you had. So I just don't get it. Who was the most shocking fall of the draft? Uh, I was trying to jog my, I'm trying to think. I'm like, oh, who's the guy? Remember Aaron Rodgers we were talking about earlier? That was one of those things where it was like, man, he was sitting there forever. Yeah. Uh, in your mind, who is who was the guy where it was like, wow, I can't to believe me, it. Yeah, no, I agree. To me, it was two linebackers. It was Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa going, falling out of the top 50, going to Cleveland, and then, unfortunately, Jabril Cox going in the fourth round of Dallas. So it was the fall of two linebackers. Um, and uh, like I said, unfortunately, one of them is going to Dallas. We are big aesthetics guys, and we've talked about it going in. We were interested in seeing how Cleveland kind of did this thing. Uh, interesting setup they had there in Cleveland. They had a huge airplane hangar type deal and it, the, the actually the the location was neat right on the water next to the stadium i felt like they didn't take advantage of that enough yeah i think you know because they weren't gunning to have 100,000 people there at least all at once i think that's probably why they didn't take advantage of it more um all in all i thought it was a decent setup i thought they did a decent job the only thing that that i did not like the fan sitting on um, Goodell's recliner. Like, you know what? I appreciate the I think Roger Goodell has loosened up a little bit, and I think he really does go out of his way to interact with fans more. But to me, this was just, it was a little hokey. It took away from the pick. It just, it fucked up the timing and the rhythm. 
So to me, that was the only stupid part about it. Yeah, I agree with you. Cause, and there was a couple times where the, the people, I don't know. I don't know. Even in the second round, they had, a, they had uh, the rock and roll hall of famers come out too, yeah. where I, I appreciate it. You're trying to get people involved, but yeah. we talked about it. Second, third round, that's still big for guys. Like, yeah. Wait, wait till the fourth round to bring those kind of people out and keep the flow going. Uh, next year, it's going to be in Vegas. It'll be interesting to see how, how that turns out. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show, but we're going to go back to the schedule release. We're going to talk Eagles schedule, Giants schedule real quick. We're not doing wins and losses. It's going to be a disaster for the Eagles. But uh, I'm looking at it. I got to tell you, disappointed is from, from a road trip perspective. Uh, for the birds, they open up in Atlanta. Atlanta is yeah. a cool place to go to. It, it can be fun. It's hot. It's hot in Atlanta it, it, it early on. And Carolina week five, Carolina could be good. It, it could be nice down there kind of coming into the fall. Obviously I have it circled week seven in Las Vegas. That's going to be an absolute disaster out there. Eagles fans are just going to storm Vegas. They're already talking live radio shows uh, from restaurants. Detroit, eh, I, I guess Denver would be a decent one. You know, yeah. go out there, eh, they get up, get up pretty high. And, you know, don't I, see th- for me because this is how I operate. The two that I'm looking at are week twelve and thirteen up in the Meadowlands, back to back weeks. Giants, Jets, not yeah. a long trip. I can drive there. Eh, eh. Yeah. yeah, no, I hear you. I think, look, imagine, though, if um, it just so happens that the Eagles are playing at Las Vegas October 24th. Imagine if October 23rd is a really good UFC pay-per-view in Vegas. That's a great trip. I will tell you, I am kicking the idea around. I'll see where things are. By the time you get to that point in in world, we're far away of, you know, I would consider going out there for the Eagles game. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, you know, it's, um, I, you know, they say it's a really, I mean, obviously I think it's been overshadowed by SoFi, but they say Allegiant Stadium is a great stadium. Yeah, Vegas is Vegas. It's, uh, it's an experience I think everyone should have. And yeah, I, I feel like that that's going to be the lifeline to why that stadium sells out every week is going to be the visiting fans. Oh, absolutely. And, and Vegas is the worst place in, in America. I don't really need to go back there, but hey, <laughs> uh, let, let's talk giant schedule here. What stands out to you? Well, like I said, you know, the, the Washington game is really an important game. And to have it as a Thursday night game, week two, after a four o'clock home opener uh I'm, I'm not overly thrilled about that uh the giants look the, the the two monday night games against kansas city tampa just chalked them up as losses the giants are not a very good primetime team uh anyways so it might as well be against you know the super bowl champions and the super bowl runner-ups um you know just looking in terms of road trips they they go to la for the chargers they host the rams uh, they're at New Orleans, which we never win there. Um, they're where else are we? We're, we're so we're at Tampa Bay. That's a Monday nighter. We're at Miami, which I'm thinking about. I might be going to that game. So 
that should be that's our 17th game uh that should be interesting and the only other thing actually you know uh as part of this is you know just like for you um which other so you own the miami dolphins first round pick for next year and then Correct. the Colts pretend. Potential. So, so you're basically rooting for the Colts and the and the Dolphins to go 0 and 16. Whereas for me, I'm I'm rooting for the Bears to go 0 and 16. But see, here's the thing with the with the Colts. I at least need them to do something because if they're going 0 and 16, he needs to play. Need, yeah, right. Yeah, he needs to play 75 percent of the snaps or whatever. So, yeah. So I guess the other interesting one is the Giants are going to the Bears, so they could directly uh, they have a direct impact on how they will be uh, drafting the year after because they're playing the Bears. So hopefully they will beat the Bears. That's the most important game of the season. There you go. Yeah. On that note, we are going to wrap up this week's here show. I would like to thank StreamYard for a very smooth and simple streaming process. I apologize. We're back for good. Support those who support us. In the Philadelphia Tri-State area, Michael's Glass Company, 215-338-3293. That's all your windows, shower door needs, double-hung windows, replacement windows from a national brand, five to eight-week lead time, better than a lot of your places. DePaul's Table, 7 East Lancaster Avenue, Ardmore, PA. Check them out and tell them that we sent you Sports Talk Philly and sportstalkphilly.com. We are a proud affiliate of them. New York, North Jersey, man. Where are you? Come Step on. up. Step up. I'm Mike. That's Brett. We will see you next week.